All right, join me in prayer. Father God, we're so thankful for this night, Lord. We're so thankful that we get to come and worship you, Father, that we get to honor you, Lord. And uh, we're thankful that we get to, Lord, truly see the fulfillment of your word where you say, <laughs> you say if we draw near to you, that you draw near to us. And so, Father God, we're just thankful that we're here to experience that tonight, Lord, and it's just such an honor to be in your presence, and Father, I pray for myself, Lord, that, uh, you know, without you, I don't have much to offer, and so I just pray that you would be the one that comes and teaches and speaks and, and guides us in your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be present and that I would just be absent, Lord, and I pray for the hearts and the minds of everyone here tonight to be open and to be softened as fertile ground for the, the seed of God, the word of God, to be planted and to bear fruit tonight. So we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so join me, if you will. We're going to be, well, really, we're going to be in a, a couple of different places, but primarily, we're going to be looking at um, Acts chapter 11, and we're going to focus on actually one verse, because in the message last night, there was something that was said, something that was spoken in one of the verses that I didn't really have the opportunity to spend much time on. <coughs> and it's interesting because I actually wrote it in my notes. I wrote it even in my Bible, and it came up in small group. Um, you know, praise the God, we all have the same spirit, huh? So that was good. But it's something that I wanted to, to visit again. I didn't want to simply pass it up. So the message for tonight is God grants repentance. God grants repentance. So we're going to talk about this God who, who grants, who gives repentance. And so we're going to be talking about, you know, really, in a sense, we're going to be looking at this, this deep, um, kind of complex, unfathomable character of God, where we see two things that almost seem as if they contradict each other, yet they're present in the character of God, and they're present for us at different times and different ways as we mature in faith with him. Um, and so we're going to be looking at God's character and how repentance is something that really doesn't even begin with us. It's really not even anything you can do, which is why I said it seems so strange, because clearly we're told to do it. And so we must. But it's kind of a, it's one of those interesting subjects. And you'll, you're going to see what I mean, right? So don't run off on me yet. First of all, I want to start by just reading this, this uh, verse from Romans chapter 9, chapter, or verse 15, kind of just to prime our Holy Spirit censors, right? And Paul's actually quoting God's own word as he speaks to Moses, where he says, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. And it's interesting because even here in this statement, the Lord tells us that in all things, it's really his will to determine, will he have mercy or will he not? Will he have compassion or will he not? And so even, even the good things in our life, when we see salvation, when we see repentance, when we see God's grace fall on people, you know, I believe God responds to prayer. Anybody else here think, believe that God responds to prayer? But at the same time, all things are really born in his will, not ours, right? 
And so God, uh, he speaks of his sovereignty in this, in this passage. So why am I bringing this up, right? So let's go back, and I want to I show you this verse that I think is important to, to look at again. And it says some very interesting things. And when it comes to the Word of God, sometimes I get real nitpicky about words. Because we have a, I say we, the Christian Men's Job Corps graduates in the room, we have a friend named DJ Smith. Maybe not all of you know him, but most of you probably do. And if you know DJ Smith, all I have to say is words mean things. And you'll probably just smack yourself on the forehead. Because he always says that, and when he says that, it's probably because you're about to look like a fool, right? Um, but it's true. Words mean things, and not just in our context, but I believe that God's words mean something. I believe that every word of the, of the biblical text is inspired. It's God-breathed, and it was there for a purpose. Jesus says not one jot, not one tittle, not, not the smallest letter, not the smallest part of a letter, will pass away until all is fulfilled. So I believe that God's word is inspired. So let's get a little nitpicky here for a second. Let's look. Let's just go ahead and read Acts chapter 11, verse 18. It says, When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance unto life. Amen. That's something worth praying, praising God for, right? So this is, man, this is, this is exciting. You know, I'm just going to give a brief summary. I'm sure y'all remember, but Peter has gone to a Gentile's house, which he has never done ever in his whole life. And the Lord says, you go and you don't doubt anything. Don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. So Peter goes in and, he, and he's uh, given this understanding by the Spirit of God that all men who fear him, everyone on this earth who fears God, is accepted by God. Jew, Gentile, does not matter. And so he begins to proclaim the gospel that from the times past, the scriptures spoke of a Messiah who would be God in flesh, and that this was Jesus Christ who was crucified, and that being crucified, he established a new covenant, right? He brought salvation to the whole world, all who would believe, and he was raised again from the dead. And it says that as he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. Peter can't do anything else but command them to be baptized. And so he has to go and he has to explain himself to the Jewish leadership in Jerusalem. How on earth, Peter, are you in a Gentile's house? What are you doing? And he has to say, you don't understand. God's gift isn't just for us. But God himself poured out salvation and poured out grace and poured out his spirit on the Gentiles as well. As we have received it by faith, so have they. So this is an amazing time because it says they heard this and they became silent. They understood and they glorified God in it. They didn't argue. They said, you know what? Then that means that God gave repentance unto life to them as well. Praise be the Lord. They're praising God. So it's an exciting moment in the scriptures. It's an exciting moment in the history of the world, right? It tells us that this free gift of salvation has been extended to all people through the blood of, tr of Christ. Everyone everywhere. And even more so, this separation that's always been between these cultures, this separation that's been between God's creation, you here, you here, don't touch, clean, unclean, has been broken. And actually, it's God's will for us to have fellowship and unity, right? So it's an amazing, 
amazing time that when we're called into the kingdom, we're called into this kingdom together. But with all that being said, there's some very important things that we need to look at from the scripture and that we need to pull out of it. Right? A couple of different things. So, let's just start with this. I want you to notice in verse 18 that it says they glorified God saying this, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance unto life. Right? So if you're one of those people like me that writes in your Bible, you can tell what I've preached in and what I haven't preached in because what I have preached in, you can barely read. It's just, you know, it looks like a three-year-old got in there. And uh, if I haven't preached in, it's probably pretty blank. You know, that's not exclusive, but... But if you're one of those people that writes in your Bibles, just take a pen and just underline also. Just underline also. Because it shows us that even for God's chosen people, even for Peter, the apostle, even for the council of elders put over the whole church of Jerusalem, that just as salvation is being granted to the Gentiles, it was first granted to them. Not that they earned it, not that they did something to gain it, but that it was through repentance of dead works and that that was a gift that God gave them. Jesus even tells his apostles. <laughs> I'm going to paraphrase. Can I, can I give you the Darren Miller translation for a second? Y'all can go back and Google it, okay? You can, you can test my, my wordage. Jesus says, look, dog, dogs, right? He says, let's be very clear about something. You did not choose me. This is Jesus speaking to the apostles. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Those are bold words. Those are hard words for some people to hear for a lot of reasons, right? It's hard to think that this isn't somehow that I, you know, got a great idea that somehow I was good enough or sometimes I realized I was bad enough and I decided to choose God. That's actually easy for us to digest. But the fact that you couldn't choose God, but that God chose you, that for some reason is difficult. It's difficult for some of us. Some of us are just like, Psh, amen, brother. But sometimes it's, it's hard because we think, well, we don't deserve it. How could I be the one that God chose? What about those people? Right? All these things come to mind. And it's hard. But the fact of the matter is that God says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So I want to I share a couple of other verses that kind of let us, let us in on what's going on here. Romans 5.10 says that while we were enemies of God, think about that, while we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to him through the death of of his son. While we were enemies, we weren't trying to be his friends at this point. We weren't searching him out. We weren't throwing up a white flag. While we were enemies of God, Jesus reconciled us to the Father. Also, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, probably one of the, one of the most famous passages of the Bible, it says this, and this is true for us, as it was the apostles, as it was the elders, as it is Jews, as it is Gentiles. For by grace you have been saved 
and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. No one can say, look, because of my works, I am saved. No one. It's a gift of God. So I want you just to imprint for a second. I want you to take that word grace, right? So for by grace you've been saved. I want you to just take that. I want you to deposit that through your thick little skull, right? I want you to pat it down in your little brain. And I want you to just let it soak in. Just the word grace. Just let it soak. You know what? Just rub it in real good right there, okay? You know what? Maybe it's too thick up there. Maybe just put it on your heart. Let it just sink in for a second. I totally just had a flashback to a Build-A-Bear workshop. If you're above the age 12, don't go into that godforsaken place. They make you do all kinds of strange things with the heart of a teddy bear, okay? It's not okay. I apologize. I obviously have some deep-rooted trauma, but Jesus will fix that too. But I want you just to take this word grace, right? And I want you just to do a Build-A-Bear workshop and just rub that all over your heart. And uh, we're going to pick that back up a little bit later. But for now, we need to focus on this fact, right? And I'm sure this isn't new to most of you, that this great gift of salvation was granted. It was given. It was imparted to us by God. Because we were, we were and would have been unable and most of the time unwilling to earn it. We would have been unable for sure but most of the time, even unwilling to earn such a salvation. But as Jesus being God's, I'm sorry, but as the Jews being God's own people, the, uh, the Lord reminded them that even they were granted life, that even they were granted blessing and freedom from sin, and that it is not of themselves. That he, They said, just as we, Right? Just as God, God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life, that God had granted to, that, to them first. And they understood that. They understood, hey, we can't, we can't hold out on our brothers because they're Gentiles. Because this gift of repentance wasn't granted to us because we were Jews. Because guess what? There are plenty of Jews outside that aren't saved. There are plenty of Jews in their city. God's chosen people that have not been filled with the Spirit, that have rejected Christ. And they understand this, and so they see this and they say, man, just as the work he's done in us, he's doing in them. The second nitpicky part I want to get in this verse is just to, to focus a little bit more on this idea that it says they're praising God because God granted repentance. To the Gentiles. This is such an important concept, guys. This is, man, this is huge. This is so huge, you're not even going to understand how huge it is until later. The fact that this act of repentance, we just think, you just, we tell people, hey, if you just repent, God will heal you, God will save you. Is that true? Everybody do this. Yes, that's true. Yes, if you just repent. The Lord, if you repent, if you would believe, the Lord will heal you, the Lord will save you. But you can't even do that by yourself. You can't even do that by yourself. How crazy is that? How many minds are just going, pa like that? Maybe you don't believe me. I don't know. 
But here it says that he grants repentance. He granted it first to them and now to the Gentiles. It's very interesting. And here's the thing, you know, how many of you know that salvation is actually a three-part process? Who kn- anybody know that? Three-part process? Did you know salvation, the word salvation, you know, we just say saved in the Bible. You have to actually read the context to figure out what, what part of salvation is talking about. So there's this great thing that when God grants repentance to somebody, when the spirit of the living God falls on them and they, they realize, man, I have nothing and I need you, Jesus, and they turn from themselves and they focus on him, that boom, the Bible says at that moment, they are justified before the Father. Justified. That means their sin, past, present, and future, have been made right with God because Jesus paid the penalty. Right? Everybody, right? Jesus says, and I think it's John 3, 35, 36, something like that, whoever believe, believes has, that's a present tense term, has eternal life. So we're saved. Praise the Lord. Then there's this part of salvation that we would call glorification. Okay? This sounds awfully fancy. And that is being saved the day we leave this life. And man, we step into the presence of the living God and we see him face to face and we're there with him forever. Man, we're glorified and we're saved. Finally, fully saved. Right? Although our salvation already was. We just had not received the fullness of it. But then there's this real muddy, murky, watery depth in between there. Between saved and saved. Where we have to keep walking in this life filled with sin, filled with temptation, filled with brokenness, right? Filled with humidity in Houston that makes summer's hair go all crazy, right? All kinds of crazy things in this world. And we have to walk in it. And you know what? We don't, we don't always get it right. You don't always do it right. You don't always walk in a way that's perfect and pleasing before the Lord if we were to judge it by works. You don't walk in a way where people are just, every day of your life so blown away that there's, hey, look, that must be Jesus. We don't walk that way all the time. We don't even know how to walk that way all the time. In fact, it takes quite a while for us to figure half this stuff out in the Christian life, right? And so God's grace is with us. But in that time, man, it can be rough and we stumble and, and, and we fall, you know what I mean? And so as this happens, there's this thing called sin that even though we're free from sin, we're free from death by the power of Christ, we have his spirit that teaches us and guides us, there's still a choice. Until this flesh is finally done away with, there's still a choice. And we still have to choose. Y'all want to hear a really nasty thing about sin? If it was one thing that, hey, we fall into sin, we all, oh, that was really bad, let's just not do that anymore, that'd be great. Right? Here's the problem. The, the flesh and your spirit are in this battle. They're in this battle. And it's like these two armies, and they're pushing against each other, right? And they got their shields, and they're pushing and pushing, waiting for one or the other to break way. And if your flesh, if you give your flesh, if you give sin a foothold in your life, 
then that side of the battle, they step forward. And they step forward. And then it's not that you just sin once, but now that sin has a grip on you. And the temptation doesn't just kind of come, it's there. And it grips you even harder. And this is real. This is where people who have been free from drugs go out one night, one night, and suddenly they're hooked on something they hadn't touched in years, and they can't let go. It's not that they don't know it's wrong. It's not that they don't know it's, the, it's, the, it's, a, it's not the right way, but they can't let go. They're struggling. They don't understand. Suddenly this wave of, of desire has overtaken them in the flesh. Where a man has cleansed his way or a woman has cleansed her way, and then they touch pornography just once, and they go, man, that's messed up, and then suddenly every day it's coming back and calling to them. And they can't get away from it. There's people who fall, they start to worry, they take their eyes off the Lord, and they find themselves sinking. They don't even know how to pull themselves up. This is what sin does. It latches on. And sometimes it becomes very, very difficult. And it's in these times that we have to understand that our brokenness, our sinfulness, is actually something, yes, the first time, but even every step of the way, something that we have to allow God to come in and heal. If we've already received the Spirit of Christ and we're stuck in pride, God has to heal that. If we already received the Spirit of Christ and we walk the way of, of uh, uh, sexual immorality or drunkenness or any of these things, sometimes it's it. God has to come in and heal those things. Some of y'all might be saying, well, what the heck are you talking about? Right? You're talking crazy. Well, anybody ever heard of a sinner's prayer? Anybody? Check this out. I want to, I've had people tell me a couple things. I hear, man, I hear crazy stuff, right? So I heard people tell me, you know, there's no such thing as a sinner's prayer. This America's got this all wrong. And you know what? I understand they have, there's a point they're trying to make. I understand the validity of their point. However, they say there is no such thing as a sinner's prayer. It's foolish. You know what else I hear? I hear, well, there's no such thing as backsliding Christians. If you're backsliding, you just must not be a Christian. Okay. Well, I want to show you something. I want you to turn or you can follow along on the board to Hosea chapter 14. And in Hosea chapter 14, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And I'm just going to read along with the board, actually. Check this out. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you. Return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Sounds like a sinner's prayer to me. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more, uh, any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods. For in you, the fatherless finds mercy. Don't change it yet. You know what they just said? They said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, be merciful to me. Lord, we will not trust in other armies. Lord, we will not trust in our own strength. That's what he's talking about when he says horses. We will not trust in our own power. Because in you, the fatherless finds mercy. And Lord, that's what we need. 
We've made ourselves fatherless because we've gone after idols. We need your mercy. Now, Jesus told him very clearly, you need to repent. But I also want you to see what he says in verse 4. He says, and I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. He says, humble yourself, come to me. Yes, repent. But even then, you can't repent, so I will come and heal you. And I will give you mercy. And I will turn away my anger from you. Because that is the heart of God. He's good. He brings repentance. He gives us. He grants it to us. We have to seek it from God. And he does it in a way that it's going to bring life. That's what it says in Acts chapter 11, right? That he granted repentance to the Gentiles unto life. And what did Jesus say? I came to bring life and life more abundantly. It's a two-part two part system. We already have life in Christ, but you know what? I want life more abundantly. I don't know about you. And so we have to understand that this is a, a, a very serious um, issue, right? That it is actually God who grants repentance. And we look at people and we say, oh, if that person would just stop doing this, and oh, you know what, they're causing their own problems. Obviously, this, their life is going this way because of this and that, and we know, you know what, maybe you're right. Maybe that's all true. Maybe that's all true. But maybe we need to stop doing this. In fact, Isaiah 58 says, take away the pointing of the finger. And we need to pray, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, heal. This is an issue. Does that, I can't make that sink in for you like it sunk in for me. But I need it to sink in for you. That that is an issue in your heart, in the hearts of your brothers and sisters, in the hearts of the lost, that God has to heal. And if God doesn't heal it, it's not getting healed. And we have to understand that because if you understand that, what should that do? That should shape your prayer life. That should shape your faith. That should shape how you come to God. But God says in Hosea, I want you to come to me. I want you to take words with you and to say, forgive us. I want you to turn away from those things that are going to benefit you in no way, that are going to be empty. And I want you to admit to me that you've strayed away and come back and say, Lord, I've made myself fatherless because I've denied you. But you give mercy to the fatherless. And he says, and when someone does that, and even that's a work of God, start wrapping your mind around that, right? It's like inception. You just keep, you go another level deeper. What are you going to do? But if, that we, if we would humble ourselves for ourselves, we would humble ourselves for another and just say, Lord, have mercy. He says, that he will come and heal their backsliding. That's how good our God is. But it's a work that only he can do. And we can have confidence in that. I told you I wanted you to, to hang on to that word grace, right? I wanted you to rub it all kinds of weird on your mind and heart. Why is that? You know what grace means? Grace means that God is going to give you things, and he's going to pour out into your life things that you don't even deserve. And they're going to be good things. They're going to be transformative things. 
things that you couldn't deserve if you tried, but God, out of his goodness, he's just going to give them to you anyways. That's grace. Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16 says this. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. To the throne of... Do you understand that? When I say throne, what does that imply to you? It implies power. It implies authority. It implies rulership, kingship, sovereignty. This is God's throne. And you know what his rule and his authority and his sovereignty and his power, his kingship, you know what he chose to label that with? Grace. Come to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help, to help in the time of need. But we have to be willing to see that. We have to be willing to pursue the Lord in that way and understand that the, the, the issues of your heart that you've been striving against and you've been striving against and you keep getting deeper into it is because you cannot do it. You can't. You have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I surrender. Heal this. Heal it, Lord. Because there's no other way. Heal it. And he says, you come to my throne of grace and you do it boldly because I will give you that grace. I will give you that mercy. You know, our backsliding, our sin, the struggles in the flesh, it's not something that we can overcome alone, right? And for those who are lost, those who are led away from righteousness, away from purity, whose hearts have been plagued, you know, with, uh, with worry or with uh, anger, with judgment, with addictions, with adulteries, with fornications, whatever these things, they need healing. And so this is that deep and this great and deep character of God that I talked to you that, that he's actually the author of repentance, that he's the one who, he's the only one who can heal our backsliding, but also that he tells us that we have to humble ourselves and come to him to receive it. He says, bring words. He says, confess. And as we step into that act of repentance, he's the one that provides the power. He's the one that even enables us to come to him in such a way. Such a, just blows my mind. But such is the goodness of God that he commands us to walk holy and to be clean in a way that we can't do, the way that we can't do, yet he himself offers both the sacrifice and the means to do so. Praise be the Lord. So I just want to offer a time for you tonight, a time for you to respond to the call that only God can put on your heart and that I believe for some of you he has put on your heart, that he has offered, he has granted repentance to us in, through in, to life in Christ Jesus, but that we must come, we must confess, and we must put away our trust in any other thing because no drug, no system, no program, no amount of self-will 
will pull us out of sin and death, but only the Spirit of God who grants repentance and who gives life to those who humble themselves. So I just want to close tonight with prayer. And if there are things in our hearts that we know the Lord has been trying to deal with and we have not allowed him to deal with. Maybe there are people in this room who you've heard God's voice tell you the same thing over and over and over and you have avoided it and you have gone every direction except for where he told you to go. That's sin and that's disobedience. And the Lord wants to deal with his body tonight. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants to give you a new spirit. He wants to give you new grace. But we need to pray, Lord, heal me. Lord, I can't trust in even myself anymore. Lord, heal me, because there's no other way. Father God, we just pray, Lord, that you'd forgive us. We pray, Father God, that you would heal our backsliding, Lord. That you would see us and you would remember our state that we're simply dust of the earth, Lord. You would remember our frailty. And Father, we acknowledge that we have not been faithful as you have called us to be faithful. We acknowledge that we have gone in our own way, Father. And even maybe we've been doing good things, but doing good things in our own strength is still walking in the flesh. And we pray that you would forgive those things. Lord, be our Father, because many times we leave ourselves fatherless. Even though you never leave, you've always been there. So forgive us, Lord. And for those here tonight, Lord, that, that truly are struggling with things that need to be dealt with, just as salvation is a process, we acknowledge that, Lord, that uh, repentance is a process. And if, there's a, and if there's a crying heart, but there's no change, then we can't say there's repentance. So, Father, I pray that you would heal our hearts here tonight. And whoever needs to come up and confess, Lord, that, they, that you would just impart the grace and you would impart your spirit to do that, to give them the boldness and humility to come and just share with myself, with Jacob, with, with a, just a brother or maybe Abigail or Sarah's sister and just say, I need to speak this so it can be healed. I need to speak this so the Lord will accept my confession and move in my life. And so I just thank you tonight, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.